Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back inside the screening room, checking out what's new with the movies this week. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're back in the studio. Back in the friendly confines That's of the screening right. room studio. But thank you to everybody at the Columbus Podcast Festival, where we recorded last week's podcast. That was fun. It was fun. We noticed that I am not used to talking into a microphone that makes a sound back at me. That's like right. I'm used to studio <laughs> microphones where it sounds just Ooh, like you're ah, talking. Mic, yeah. And yeah. and so I kept like and yeah. listening back, I thought, am I usually that quiet? And then George said, no. You were using the hushed. I was. Phone sexy voice. <laughs> But uh, no, that was a lot of fun. So hopefully we can do that again next year. We'll see what happens. But we're back in the studio checking out new stuff. And the Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. With their 70-foot wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. And where else are we going to start this week but Deadpool 2. My name's Cable. I'm here for the kid. What? The kid? Move or die. Kids give us a chance to be better than we used to be. He needs you. You're a lot smarter than I look. I ain't letting Cable kill this kid. But I can't do this alone. <laughs> this is going to be fun because normally we don't disagree as much on a movie as we do about this one. Not a huge amount. No. It's not like one of us hated it, one no, of us no, didn't. No, no, no. But usually we are right in line and this one... Not so much. I liked it a little bit more than you did, although you did like it. I did like it. I laughed. I enjoyed myself. I thought it was a very entertaining film. Yeah, this time we catch up with Deadpool, and he's pretty much just living the dream. You know, he's battling <laughs> international criminals and uh, snuggling up to his sweetie Vanessa. And then a little bit of tragedy strikes. Yes, and actually, even from the very opening moments in the film, there's this... Logan reference, which is uh, the first of, I'm going to say, about 415,000 movie references that pepper this film, which is not a surprise to anybody who saw the first one, which is everybody. Yeah. Uh, and that still is where it is, I think, often the funniest, but at the same time, so there are a couple of things about this movie. First of all, if you like the first one, this is the same movie, so you're going to like it. I mean, it's absolutely more of the same. And it's not for kids. Nope. Nope. Hopefully we all know that by now. Right. And also, Josh Brolin is a villain. And if yeah. there's anything Josh Brolin has established this summer, it's that he makes an excellent villain. No kidding. Well, that's where it, that's where it takes the big turn in the movie because, as we said, after some tragedy strikes, sending Deadpool into a you know depressed state, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then he comes up against Josh Brolin playing Cable, the time-traveling mercenary who has come into this time, Deadpool's time, to kill this young mutant named Russell. Julian Dennison from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, yeah. which if you haven't seen New it, Zealander. It, yeah, Taika Waititi's film before he did Thor Ragnarok yeah. was Hunt for the Wilder People, and this kid is the, the main character, and he's amazing, and well, I love this kid, and I'm so happy to see him in this movie. Yeah, and he plays this young mutant who's got uh, fireballs for yeah, hands, he can yeah. throw these, these fireballs, and Cable, for some reason that we don't know yet, has come through time to kill him. And Deadpool decides, I guess, in a moment of sentimentality that he doesn't want that to happen. Right. And actually, so here are two uh, minor issues that I have with the film. First of all, that this storyline, and I'm not going to say what it's from, but the storyline is just ripped right from another really, really good movie. And maybe it was a storyline in one of the comics, and I don't know it because I don't know a lot about comics. Generally, certainly not about Deadpool comics. So if that's the case, 
my apologies. But then the other the other thing is that the this movie is more sentimental than the first one. And it, one of the things that I think the first one had going for it really was that it it just jabbed, you know, it just poked its finger in the rib cage of every really franchise of any kind, but certainly superhero or comic book franchise that came before it. It just made fun of it for things like taking themselves too seriously or becoming a blockbuster franchise or getting a bit sentimental. And, and this movie, he still makes little jabs at that, but the movie itself kind of embraces all of those things. It Mm. becomes a bit sentimental and it becomes obviously a giant blockbuster franchise. And so uh, the only way really around that is to not make any more movies. It does get a little bit sentimental, but for me, it was still, it kept enough of that self-aware vibe that it didn't fall into itself the way I think that you think it did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. To me, I kind of appreciated not having to deal with an origin story. That seemed to me, maybe it was just the way I approached the movie, but it felt freer to me. Like, look, okay, we're done now. Let's just hit the ground running. And it, it felt, to me, it felt a little bit funnier than the first one. Maybe I'd have to rewatch the first one, but I, I laughed a lot. And, I laughed. I did. I thought it was a funny and film. there was a lot of, like you say, a lot of great uh, moments, a lot of great finger poking, especially, you know, Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the way that he and Ryan Reynolds have been going back and forth. Uh, Logan comes up a few times. And also, there's some cameos. We, we're not going to give it away by any means, but during the parachuting scene, when they're all jumping keep out... Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open, because uh, Deadpool has to put together... He puts together his own team to fight Cable, the X-Force. <laughs> and uh, one of the members of... When they're jumping out of the uh, of the plane, in a pretty good action sequence, the parachuting... Which, well, the, yeah. and the funniest gag in it, it was this running gag about just this... Just a parachute, because... Yeah. yeah. Because the that, one... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably all we want to say. Anyway, keep your eyes peeled because during that sequence, you see a cameo from a pretty big star that I was not expecting. <laughs> no, no. And you don't see it very long. You don't see the face very long. But we looked at each other like, was that? Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. And there's also some X-Men cameos. And of course, there's some great moments, not really after the credits, but during the credits. Right. That, that, that are not only very funny, but also add to the story. So while you're laughing, actually pay attention because there's some story elements that you don't want to miss as well. So all in all, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't think it was hampered as much by the sentimentality. I, I give you that it does get a little more uh, sentimental, but still I thought the, the self-aware vibe was enough to keep that going. So, you know, we do have a disagreement here, but not, not a huge amount. No, I mean, I really, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed the first Deadpool because it was so very fresh and different from anything else that had come out. And and then you've painted yourself in a corner. Uh, a lot like the first Iron Man, even though the first Iron Man wasn't necessarily a brilliant film, it was doing everything so differently than all of the other comic book films were. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really inspired casting at the time. And uh, and then, the you know, the next Iron Man, I was like, eh. so uh, it's a little bit like that. I liked it better than certainly Iron Man 2, and I, and I enjoyed it. I, it's just, it's not fresh now, so it, I realized it doesn't have quite as much to sell it. And sell. this was directed by David Leach, who did Atomic Blonde last year, that was I, very underseen, but had a good amount of solid action to well, it. Well, see, that was another issue I had with this, mil- this, this film, is that I think I had really high expectations for the action choreography, because the action choreography in Atomic Blonde is the best we saw all of last year. It's really good. It's, yeah, and, 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 and it's not like the action in this is, is bad. It's not. It's just not inspired. It's not interesting. And, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's it But I fine. expected it to be better. And we've said on a few occasions, 
that movies like this are really dependent upon the villain. Mm -hmm. And again, Josh Brolin delivers. I yes. mean, I Cable was a very cool villain. Yes, he was. Yeah. Josh Brolin and Michael B. Jordan should just be <laughs> all of our villains now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Ryan Reynolds, did he did he get a um, writing credit the first time? Because he no, gets one now. he does the second one. He did not the first and one. And you just, you definitely get the feeling. I mean, this is the role just so, I mean, that's such a cliche, the role he was born to play. But if you follow him on Twitter and you and you know that he is a funny guy mm -hmm. and this role just seems totally him. Well, uh, I, I know that in the marriage. comics before the films were made in the comics, the comic book itself described Deadpool as as I, I think um, Ryan Reynolds with an avocado for a head or something like that. I mean, Reynolds <laughs> himself saw it and was so excited. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, yes, it's a perfect marriage yeah, there. It, it is perfect. So a uh, little bit of a disagreement here. Uh, I enjoyed it more, but I think you would still recommend it. Sure. Right, yeah, yeah, it's fun. And I would still recommend it a little, little more highly. So a uh, Deadpool 2 leading the pack this week. I think if someone's finally going to take down Infinity War at the box office, I think it's going to be this. Yeah. The next big major release Coming out this week is the story of four lifelong friends who have their lives forever changed after reading Fifty Shades of Grey in their monthly book club. Hi, beautiful friends. I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh, no. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. If women our age were meant to have sex, God wouldn't do what he does to our bodies. Speak for yourself. Well, that was not God. That was Dr. Nazarian. Well, hey, you. I love a man who brings flowers. <gasps> Everybody remembers their first kiss. How about I tell you about my best kiss? Maybe that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I never thought I'd be back here again. Is it as good as you remember? Maybe better. Grown. <laughs> but. It was better than we expected. Yeah, the one thing that I was happy to see in this movie, because you watch the trailer, you hear the premise, and it's just the laziest thing in the world that so many movies do. Let's laugh at old people being sexual. Right. It's so lazy, and it's ignorant. I mean, come on, unless they're, what, 95 years old, I mean, they're still human beings, right. okay? Well, 95-year-olds are still human beings, yeah. too. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. No, they're done. They're done. <laughs> But, They're uh, Muppets at that point. <laughs> By the way, you, you bring up... We <laughs> I have got Muppets to say, on the mind. got Muppets on the mind. If you have not seen the trailer for The Happy Time Murders, oh my lord, we just watched it today. Don't watch it at work. No, it's not safe for work, but it is hilarious. Yes. I cannot wait for this. Can't wait. The Happy Time Murders. Anyway, back to the subject of book club, which is not as funny. Yeah, that's such a lazy premise, and I was glad to see that this movie isn't as interested in laughing at the characters as it tries to laugh with them. So sure. that's good, because it is. It's four ladies in their golden years, uh, lifelong friends. With, with It's a great cast. Oh, it's, my God, it's, it's a great Jane cast. It's Jane Fonda and Diane Keaton and Mary Steenburgen and Candace Bergen. Bergen. And, and, and here's the thing right there, just that alone. I mean, even though coming into it, I, I was sure I was going to hate this movie. I appreciate that there are films being made that are still casting these veteran, yes. brilliant actors as leads, right? right? Not as like somebody's mother-in-law who's going right. to get 30 seconds on screen, but as, as anchors to a film. I'm super excited that that still and happens. that is the big catch-22 of this entire movie, because I agree with you. And then the second part is, what do they do with this cast? And not enough. No. Uh, that's the problem here, because not only do you have, you've got th three uh, Oscar winners right there, and then you add 
Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is mm-hmm. in the cast. Mm-hmm. Andy Garcia, yep. another Academy Award nominee. I mean, it's chock full of veterans, and that's the main reason to see the movie because yeah, these four friends they started back in the '70s with the uh, the '70s, which basically was the '70s version of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fear of Flying was their uh, first book, and now all these years have gone by, and they've built their lives, and they've got their kids, and everything else. Well, now. Jane Fonda's character wants to spice things up by reading Fifty Shades of Grey. So that gets everybody all randy. And then they're off with prospective boyfriends or, in Mary Steenburgen's character's case, a disinterested husband, played by Craig T. Nelson. And that's where all the hijinks come about. And, and, and that's the problem, because unless you are a fan of every episode of the sitcom Three's Company back in the day, it's not going to be funny. It's It's such... Cornball innuendo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's if you remember Three's Company, it's back when, you know, Mr. Roper would overhear Jack and Chrissy in the bedroom saying, It's not big enough when we know they've been hanging a curtain rod the whole time and yuck, yuck, yuck. Well, Mr. Roper makes a face for the camera. And that sort of stuff, you know, if you think it's funny, well, then check out this movie. I didn't. It's just so lazy and cheesy. You know, it panders to the audience that it's trying to really pump up because think about it this, this movie's coming out the same week as Deadpool right. obviously why is that right they are they are wisely marketing to a, a group of people who are probably not going to go see Deadpool exactly probably an older crowd mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, it doesn't do enough with that opportunity and then it's the feature debut feature uh, film for the writer director Bill Holderman and I do think his heart is in the right place sure. here because every now and then, then like a, a nice sequence pops up about they make a metaphor with the reemergence of vinyl albums. Look, they're still good after right, all right, these right. years. They don't beat you about the face and neck with that point. I'm like, oh, wow, there, there's there's something you could have explored if you had a little bit more of this type of lighter touch with the entire movie. But it's just it's it's so committed to the cheesy, contrived type of humor where you take Candace Bergen's character and for no other reason than to just to set up a cheap gag, they have her take her cat to the vet just so they can make a pussy joke. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason. And uh, right. that's where the groan comes in. But, yes. but you know what? You're right about the cast. That is the only reason to see this movie because, I mean, Diane Keaton, Alone, she's been basically absolutely. playing Diane Keaton yeah. now for years. But she does such a nice job she of does, it. She does, and she's a joy to watch on screen doing almost <laughs> anything. And it, and it is nice to see all these veterans in a movie like this getting these roles. I just wish they could do done more with it. Right. So cannot recommend Book Club. In limited release this week, a movie about a woman returning to the community that shunned her for her attraction to a childhood friend. Once back, their passions reignite as they explore the boundaries of faith and sexuality. It's disobedience. We all have forgiven you, Ronnie. Not for him. For everything. We never thought we'd see you again. Sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) And you're not married. It's important that this week is conducted with honor. It's the most important thing. Honor. How did you get married? I think he felt that marriage would cure me. Is that you? Esty, what's happened? Tell me the truth. This is the latest film, co-written and directed by Sebastian Lelio, a director, a filmmaker that 
we have been impressed with, especially lately. Yes, uh, an Argentinian filmmaker, and he made Gloria, which is still my favorite one of his films. Absolutely amazing. And then he, he made the Oscar winner last year's uh, Best Foreign Language film, of Fantastic Woman. And this kind of continues this theme he've, he has had recently of exploring women trying to be themselves in a society that is determined to not let them. Yes. And, and you know, it's a funny thing that he can continue to explore the same, the same topic, the same theme and, and have every film be so different from the one before and, and be so fresh and incredibly compelling because this is a much different approach than the last two. And this one is based on a novel and takes place mainly in London Mm -hmm. where this Orthodox Jewish community has, has shunned Rachel Weiss's character and she has gone on, she, she was born into that community, and then she has gone on to make a life for herself in New York, and then she gets news of her father passing away. So she comes back to her home to a not-so-warm welcome, yeah. and, and she has meets again with her childhood friends, uh, one of them played by Rachel McAdams, and they had had an attraction early on, mm-hmm. and she finds that Rachel McAdams' character has married another one of their old childhood friends who is now a respected rabbi. Right. And so the very, and so a very delicate love triangle emerges as you have uh, the rabbi trying to keep his house in order, as he, as as he, he says. Calls it. Uh-huh. Uh, and then a woman in Rachel McAdams' character, slowly more determined. Basically, to, to make her own choice. Yes. To choose for herself. And that's where the, the film title comes into play is in a sermon in the very beginning of the film, an older rabbi is talking about the difference between angels who are compelled to do as they're told, they have no choice, and beasts who follow their own nature and in that same way are, are incapable of being disobedient. The difference between them and humans who have the opportunity to disobey, to to choose, mm-hmm. to have free will. And that's really what the film is about in all three characters' cases. And one of the things I really liked about the movie is that it's really not simply about this this love story. It really is about each one of them, instead of just following the path that's been laid for them, stopping, thinking about it, and making a decision on their own. Yeah, and also I liked the fact that having it set within this religious community and not just it not just orthodox jewish community really any religious community it speaks to the point of how some very basic tenets of religion and that of love and mercy are so often forgotten in the hopes of enforcing a social order yes and the performances are great it has a very organic way of storytelling it starts slowly it builds slowly it doesn't spoon feed you no, anything. No. You have to pick up the backstory mm-hmm. on bits of organic dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that way, to me, it made, when I got to those bits of information, it made them more meaningful. Yeah. Also, and we didn't mention it, but Alessandra Nuvola, who yes. plays David, who he plays, plays the, the husband, Rachel the hu- McAdams' husband. He's, he's, you know, he's so good. He, you'll probably recognize him. He's a character actor who is in a lot of things, and he's, he's always good. But I don't think he, he's seldom given a role this meeting. No, I agree with you. And yeah, he he is a great sort of third anchor to this film. He yeah. does a really wonderful job because I think that in, in other people's hands, this character could be really unlikable. And he, he finds a very nuanced human soul here. And, and yeah. I appreciated that. It's a very elegant movie. It's graceful in the way it tells the story. It really it is. It deals with some tough subjects, very serious subjects, but everything is handled very gracefully uh, from, from the cast to the, the way the story is told. And it's uh, it, it ends up being very quietly powerful. In yes, the end. agreed. I thought it was just beautiful.
And one other thing, despite the nature of the story, don't get the idea that it takes this relationship between these two women and makes it anything salacious at all. Oh, no. I mean, they don't shy away from the sexual no, nature of the but, relationship, but no, it's definitely not meant to be the selling point. Like, right. Ooh. right. Yeah. And you made the, uh, the point, too, while we were just talking about it after the movie, that how much you appreciated some of the characters shown in moments by themselves, especially Rachel Weisz's character. Well, first of all, I think she's she's just sort of a magnetic performer. You know, yeah. even when she's not speaking, she's just kind of fascinating to look at. And I think that he makes the most of that. And, and also, without, again, beating you about the head, showing her as a bit of an outsider, just, just moments when she's by herself. She's sort of very, you know, she's full of emotion. She's full of, but, but it's, it's very, she's very solitary in a lot of ways that is a little bit aching, very poignant. And I, I really love the way it was filmed. Yeah. And similarly in moments alone with Rachel McAdams character, it drives home the loneliness that she feels because yeah. even though she's surrounded by this community, She's, she's not able to live the life that she, she can't be herself. She cannot be herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two big recommendations for disobedience. And one more limited release this week. It's an anthology. Arch skeptic Professor Goodman embarks on a terror-filled quest when he stumbles across a long-lost file containing details of three cases of inexplicable hauntings called ghost stories. Mr. Goodman, everything you have spent a lifetime trying to debunk the supernatural. It's all true. Three cases I couldn't explain. You go and investigate if you did. Things are not always as they seem. I've been looking forward to this one. Even though uh, um, anthology horror is not necessarily my favorite, yeah. but this is a, it's a this British... very tied together. It is. That's one of the things that I often don't particularly care for in anthology. It just feels like random shorts that they're kind of creating a framing device just so we can see these random shorts. And that's not really the case here. Um, and it's it's actually based on a stage play that was written by the film's writers and directors, Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman. And uh, Nyman plays Professor Goodman. He's also, he, I mean, he's been in millions and millions of things. We happen to love him in the British film Severance. Yes. And so there is actually a lot of investment in what in another package might be considered the framing device, which is which is Professor Goodman, his backstory, his background. And he, he's asked by his mentor, who doesn't realize, He's his mentor, a TV ghostbuster from when he was a kid who put him on the path of busting fraudulent ghost mm-hmm. ghost stories and hauntings. And so his mentor hands him the three cases he was unable to solve. And then uh, Wants a little help proving them to be false. Yes. He says he hopes to God he can prove them false because he, since he couldn't prove them false, he himself, the mentor, is shaken right, right in his skepticism. And so it takes us. It's an interesting setup. Uh, Nyman is great in the in the performance. And then you get into these three separate ghost stories. And they're not, to be honest with you, the individual shorts aren't terrifying, mm-hmm. particularly. And in some ways, they're not even super fresh, which is one of the problems with shorts is that often happens. But they have this in really rich world that is created in each one that I appreciated. And the characters, the performers are, are amazing. First of all, Martin Freeman plays <laughs> plays one of the characters. Yeah. He's always great. Always good. He's always great. And then Paul Whitehouse, who is a, a, a British kind of everyman kind of a character. And then Alex Lothar, who I guess is on Black Mirror. Mm. Um, but he's great. Shows we don't watch. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but each one of their stories is interesting enough. But what's really interesting about it are these puzzle pieces that are in 
each story that are also in the backstory that reappear in other stories. So it's really that you're constantly trying to put together the pieces in a larger, what turns out to be a very satisfying story that's kind of less paranormal terror as much as it is existential terror. But it, it was a very enjoyable film. And that is Ghost Stories. And a couple to talk about out on DVD, home video this week. So let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Little thing out on video this week called Black Panther. Little something, something you might have missed. Little something. And if you did, you're the the one. (laughs) You're the one. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to say. We loved it. Loved it. Almost everybody loves it. I looked back, George, and Black Panther on Mad Wolf has the highest rating. It's the highest rated film that we've given a movie this year. As we said at the time, it does demand, I mean, it needs to be seen on a big screen. It really yeah. does. But so hopefully you have one. Hopefully you have one, <laughs> or you have already seen it on the big screen and want to bring it home. That is totally understandable, because we loved it. Not so much for Samson, which comes no. out on home video this week. This is a faith-based film, and that is totally fine. That's not the problem. No. Because I don't care if you're having a faith-based parable like this or a porno movie. It's not the type of story you're telling that matters. It's how you tell it. Right. And that is the problem here. I mean, it's so lazy. Yeah. Everything about the movie, obviously, it's the story of Samson, just screams, look, we know we've got you because you're the faith-based fan, and we don't have to try that hard. Right. And you know what? Any audience deserves more than that. Yeah. And I thought it was just, I mean, right down to the Ooh, look at these cool fake wigs we found in the Halloween Target aisle. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, the costuming is horrendous. Oh, yeah, it was it was bad. So Samson, no. Black Panther, yes. yes. Next week, another biggie: the Solo movie, Solo, a Star Wars story. We'll have that for you next week. Looking forward to that. And I think so far the early buzz is pretty good. No, I'm sure it is. Pretty good. I mean, yeah, we'll go in. Yeah, we'll go yeah, with our eyes wide open. I'm excited about this one. I mean, the cast looks great. I mean, it might be a, a, a lot to expect it to be as good as Rogue One, a Star Wars story, because right. that one blew me away. Yes. I was not expecting no. for that to be as good as it was. Yeah, it was, it was awful good. I agree yeah. with you. I definitely yeah. do. But I, lo- I look forward to this one. I guess I just always assumed that Han Solo was everybody's favorite character. <laughs> Apparently, I'm wrong. Oh, wow. I guess Luke was very popular. Okay. Han Solo is always my favorite character, mm-hmm. and Chewbacca. Chewbacca's kind of my spirit animal. Well, that'll be next week. They were my favorites, so, so I'm excited. we'll find out. Until then, let us know what you thought about any of these movies. Love to keep the conversation going. Easiest way is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, we're Mad Wolf Columbus. And on our main website, all our written reviews and other fun stuff, including our other podcast, the Horror-Centric Fright Club, you can find that at madwolf.com. So until next week, watch the trailer for The Happy Time Murders. But don't watch it at work. And we'll just say you're welcome. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.